You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. We are studying the Gospel of John this year, and today we land at the beginning of chapter 11, which is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. It's 44 verses. I'll go ahead and give you, the, give you that up front. But the good news is we've got the covered dish luncheon afterwards, so we're actually doing you a favor. You don't have to stand in line at a restaurant. You're welcome. <laughs> but this will be awesome because it means we get to spend time in God's Word. Now, if you're not familiar with this story, it begins a little dark because it begins with a funeral. But it'll end with a party. Here's how the story begins. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and the sister Martha. Now, how many of you have an illness today? Chronic pain, you're suffering, maybe battling cancer. And if it's not you that's suffering, it's someone that you know and love is. And Jesus is close with this family, by the way, of these three, the the two sisters and brother. So much so that speculation is that anytime he's in the region of Jerusalem, he spends the time at night in their home. Bethany is less than two miles away from Jerusalem. This is a family that's very close to Jesus. These three in him, he loves them. Verse 2 tells us, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That's a teaser for what we'll see in a story in about two weeks from John chapter 12. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Now, someone they love is suffering, sick, dying. This could be you or someone you love. What are you going to do? The question is, who are we going to call out to for help? You've tried the doctors, and some of you will then go onto the internet and, and search forever. What is that next step then for us? What's the first thing these sisters do? They call out to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You're going to see this refrain over and over, how Jesus loves Lazarus. And one of the first things you'll notice is that Jesus has healthy relationships with everybody. He has healthy relationships with these two single women. He has a healthy relationship with their brother. You could see that he loves all people appropriately. Jesus shows and tells people that he loves them. Perhaps some of you, your parents, maybe your dads in particular, never told you that they love you. We need to break that curse on your family. Jesus is a man who shows and tells others he loves them. And so they send word to him saying, we know you love Lazarus. He is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. In the midst of crisis, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of tragedy, all we 
tend to see is that that's right there around us that's just going to lead to destruction. We don't see the deliverance and the glory of God and any good that could come out of it. But that comes by living by faith. Sight says he's dying. Jesus says, trust me. God will be glorified. Good will come. I have a plan to work through this. Trust me until you see what I bring. For those of you today, you're needing a breakthrough. You're needing a a deliverance. You're needing a healing. You're needing protection. You're struggling. You're confused. Jesus' words are to you as well. It's as if Jesus says, yes, I know this is real. I know the suffering, the struggle, the confusion, the pain. I know it's real, but so am I. And I have a plan to work through this so that you will see how good I am and you will see the greatness of what I'm going to do in your life. You need to cling to that as hope, as a promise for your soul today. The story goes on. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus, Lazarus is dying. Okay, I'll see you in a couple days. How many of you, if you called 911 and got that same response, oh, we'll get to you in a couple of days, you could never imagine that. That would be total disbelief and and devastation. It's a nightmare. But maybe you're learning in your life that when it seems that God is late, he's really right on time. Does Jesus not care? He loved him. So how many times have you ever questioned Jesus, why didn't you act? Jesus, why didn't you show up? And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. (laughs) But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Here's what they're saying. Jesus, we know that Lazarus is dying, but if you go there, they will put you to death. But here's what Jesus does. He risks his own life to seek and to save. You need to know that he is the one who comes to lay down his life. And that's always to pursue you. That's how Jesus works. That he would go to the good of others, to the extreme for the good of others disregarding his own safety and well-being. That's how great and glorious and good Jesus is. Next verse, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. What happens in that day? Sun goes down, their day's done. They go home. And what Jesus is saying here is that this is the daytime of my ministry. I've got to keep working. It is not time for me to stop. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, 
but I am going there to wake him up. Now, the Bible uses different language when different people die. If someone dies apart from faith in God, it just says that they die. But if someone dies in faith, if they have a relationship with God, it's said so often that they have fallen asleep. That's because there's a difference between dying in relation to God and dying not in relation with God. If you die and you don't belong to Jesus, you go to hell. Jesus speaks of hell more than anybody else in the Bible. It's eternal death. It's spiritual death. It's unending death. So your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing about you. When the Bible tells us that there are those who have fallen asleep, what it's saying is that if you are a believer, your body goes into the grave, your soul goes to be with the Lord. And it's as if your body is sleeping until Jesus returns, and then your body and soul are connected, resurrected, in the kingdom of God, fully healed, in the presence of King Jesus forever. Here's what I need you to know. It's not the worst thing to die. It's the worst thing to die without Jesus. Next verse. His disciples replied, Lord... If he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. They're in another town. They don't know what's going on. So then he tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. How many of you have someone you really love and you've had to come to grips with the reality of their passing? The first person I ever lost that was close to me was my dad with pancreatic cancer when I was 11 years old. There is shock and, and disbelief at first, knowing that there is nothing more that can be done. But let me say this. Jesus wasn't even in that town yet, but he knows what's going on. Now Jesus is in heaven, and he knows everything that you're enduring and suffering because Jesus sees and knows it all. And then he continues, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Yeah. Here's their point. Hey, Jesus, it's too late. Why take the journey on foot with opposition who may arrest or kill you? It's too late. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, which, which means twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Well, it looks like we're going to die too. Those who believe in Jesus, they view death differently. It's why the Bible says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. For the believer, death is no longer to be feared because death is the result of sin and our God is a living God and when he gets involved, he brings life. And let me say this, until Jesus shows up, nothing changes. Until Jesus shows up, all there is is confusion. But when he shows up, that's when comfort comes. That's when there is hope for the future. So Lazarus has died. And now we're entering that part of the story where people are processing their grief and different people process their grief differently. 
Here's the next few verses. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So there's a funeral, and this family is surrounded by their, in in essence, their church family. Let me speak encouragement to you of Benton Heights. This is a loving church family, and you go out of your way to surround and love and comfort those who are suffering and struggling. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Uh, Mary stayed at home. Martha is the doer, right? So she goes out to meet him before he even gets to the town. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Here's what I love about Martha. She brings her questions and her confusion to the Lord. You know, you need a lightning rod when there's a storm. You need a lightning rod to ground out that storm. His name is Jesus. You're frustrated, you're overwhelmed, you're confused. Bring it to Jesus. Martha continues, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Now, the Jewish people had a concept of resurrection from the dead, such as they got from the Old Testament in in Daniel 12, 2, that says there are those who will rise to everlasting life and some to everlasting death. So the concept of there being an end where everybody will rise and come before the judgment seat of God was in play, but there was no concept of one person rising before all the others. So she's like, I I know, one day, way far in the future, there will be a time where everyone is raised from death. Jesus corrects this. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, a lot lot of people can say, "I, I believe in heaven. Heaven is not just a place. Heaven is a person. It's Jesus. You don't die and just go to a better place. You die and you get to go to be with Jesus. And wherever Jesus is, that is heaven. Because he is there to take care of his people forever. So what this means is that there is no resurrection. There is no life apart from Jesus. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, this is the great invitation. You can believe in Jesus. Jesus is relational and he welcomes you all. Whoever believes, <laughs> you may say, but I'm a bad person. Perfect. You're just the person he's looking for because that's all of us. He says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? 
Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that you have sinned against God? Do you believe that Jesus has entered human history to live without sin, to die in your place on the cross for your sins, to rise as the resurrection and the life, to conquer sin, to conquer death, to conquer hell? And if you believe in him, even though you die, yet shall you live. And you will live in his presence, in the goodness and glory of his presence forever. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. Just so you know, that's a great answer. It's always a good answer to say, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She repeats what her sister Mary had said. Next verse. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus is profoundly empathetic and compassionate. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the whole Bible. Is Jesus a man's man? He's a carpenter, a construction worker, probably had long hair, had a beard. He walks everywhere, he's fit, and he cries. Weeping is one way of processing so you can heal emotionally. You can have the funeral, but unless you have a heart funeral, there's no healing at the soul level. For some of you, there are things in your past that you need to grieve. You need to process so that you can heal and move forward. Then the Jews said, See how he loved? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Have you ever thought, Jesus, you could have done something about this? People process suffering and death differently. There are times when people are hurting and struggling and suffering, and and there's nothing you can do. Is there anything that this family, meaning Martha and Mary, and their faith community around them could do? Is there anything that would have changed the outcome? Lazarus is dead. Some of you, particularly men, you're you're fixers, you're problem solvers. If there's something to do, you're going to do it. And isn't it frustrating when you can't fix something or someone? But there is the ministry of presence. 
sometimes there's nothing to do, there's nothing to say, ministry of presence. It happens in families all the time. Your kids are playing sports, they look up in the stands, you're there. That's ministry of presence. Jesus understands the ministry of presence. That's why God came to this earth. Jesus understands the ministry of presence. That's why he would go forsaking his own safety on this long journey so that he could get to the home of Mary and Martha. He could have healed from a distance. But it's ministry of presence. And this is why ultimately Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. He says, I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you forever until the end of the age. And what he's promising when he says that is the sending of the Holy Spirit. You're never alone. When my earthly father died, when I was so young, I needed more than ever to know my heavenly father. Some people get bitter and angry toward God because you feel like he has sinned against you when you lose someone. But God is good. He's not evil. He's the author of life. And when God finished the world at the beginning, everything was very good. And when it's done at the end, everything will be very good again. Here in the middle, this is where things go very bad. But he is the solution. That means we live by faith until our faith becomes sight. Now, there's one question I've got to address before we finish this story. In verse 33, we read that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 35, Jesus wept. In just a moment, we'll see in verse 38 that Jesus was once again deeply moved. So my first question is this. Does Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Yes. Spoiler alert if you didn't know the story. Second question. I said one, so this is the bonus. Second question. Why is Jesus emotional, troubled, and weeping, knowing what he's going to do to raise Lazarus from death? Why is Jesus crying when he knows what he's going to do? Because he is emotionally present in that moment. And in that moment, Lazarus is dead. And everyone is crying. And Jesus is emotionally present and compassionate. So he's not showing up at the funeral saying, it's okay. Or, wes- or worse yet, stop your crying. While believers in Jesus view death differently, it's okay to miss them. Your parents died, and now they will not see their grandkids grow up. Your spouse died, and tomorrow you will be alone yet again. Your child was miscarried, and you never got to hold them. Every one of us can say, everyone who is a believer can say, I know that God is good. I know that heaven is real. I know that Jesus saves, but I just miss that person. Is that okay? It's okay. It was okay for Jesus. It's okay to be emotionally present with a loss and have hope that Jesus is still in control of every situation.
So here's the end of the story. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. You know, this is highly practical, Martha. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he's been dead for four days. You've got to love the King James Version when it comes to this exact verse, because it says, he stinketh. <laughs> then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And Jesus looked up. And said, so now he's going to do a prayer. And he's going to do a public prayer. Why? Because they need to hear this prayer. When someone says to you, pray for me, don't say, okay, I will when I get home, if I remember. Pray right there in front of them. Encourage them by the prayer that you're offering. So Jesus has a prayer. Father, he begins, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. What he's saying is, Father, I know that we are constantly talking. We're constantly in communication, but of course I'm doing this out loud so everyone else that's present here can tell how this relationship with you works because you are a great dad and we're in a great crisis. And we need your help. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And somebody once made the point of saying, I'm glad that he called Lazarus by name. Because if he just said, come out, the cemetery would have been emptied. <laughs> Last verse. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus put new life in Lazarus, but he was still walking around in his old grave clothes. Some of you need to know, it's time to take off the grave clothes. Lazarus was dead, but now he's alive. Some of you were dead. You met Jesus. Now you're alive, and it's time to take your grave clothes off. You're still wearing that old identity of guilt and shame and condemnation. This is where you need to know you are loved. God doesn't hate you. You're forgiven. God doesn't condemn you. You're not who you were. You are a new creation in Christ. You're not an enemy of God. You love Jesus. He loves you. You are his child. Let's get that old identity off of you. Aren't you tired of wearing it? Jesus Christ put new life in you so that you can walk in that new life that he has for you. Now, here's what we know. Lazarus is revived here. He's not resurrected. Because resurrection is unto eternal life, never to die again. Does Lazarus eventually die? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, he'd be here telling his story. So what happened to Lazarus is that he was revived. One day, he will be resurrected. And this is a foreshadowing. 
and a hope that ultimately Jesus conquers death because he forgives sins through his death. What does all this mean? That apart from Jesus, there is no resurrection, there is no life. In the middle of the story of Lazarus, there is death and devastation and destruction and pain and confusion and questioning and hurt and weeping. You need to know that this world is like a funeral. It's painful. And there is no hope. There is no joy. There is no life until Jesus shows up. And we're waiting for him to come again. And until then, we trust in Jesus. But there are those who are going to be critics, and they're going to accuse Jesus. So the atheists will say, well, there's suffering and death, therefore, there can be no God. The deists would say, we're suffering and dying. If there is a God, he is so far removed from our situation, he can't be involved. There are others who would say we're suffering and therefore God is not powerful enough. He cannot overcome suffering and sickness and sin and death. The Eastern religions would say, well, God is good and evil. You know, yin and yang, darkness and light. So the suffering that we experience is just a reflection of who God is. He is not just light. He is also darkness. He is not just life. He's not just good. He's also bad. But this, my friends, is in the middle of the story. This is where we weep. This is when everything stinks. And then Jesus shows up. And he comforts and he encourages and he empathizes. And then he heals and he forgives and he saves and then he transforms And I need you to know that right now, Jesus Christ is not dead. He is the resurrection and the life. He goes through death. He conquers death to forgive sin. He does this through his substitution on the cross. And three days later, on a Sunday, that's why we're here today, he rises from death. For 40 days, he proves his resurrection to crowds upwards of 500 at a time. They see his nail-scarred hands. They are absolutely convinced that he has conquered death, not just revived, but resurrected, never to die again. He ascended into heaven, and I have good news for you. Jesus Christ is alive and well today. He alone conquers death. He alone is the resurrection and the life. And the Lord Jesus Christ is one day returning to this earth. And he will call out, and everyone who belongs to Jesus will rise to eternal life. Do you believe this? Then we have to celebrate this. And that's why we're here every Sunday. And if you're not a Christian, this is where you give your life. This is where you give your sin. You give your hope and your future to Jesus. Because he's calling you by name into a relationship with him. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.